3: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think.
4: Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: Hello, I'm Nate, and this is Timeline Tapes, the podcast made by the YouTube channel Timeline. On this podcast, we take documentaries and TV shows that are on our YouTube channel and retell them here as podcasts. This week, we're bringing you the second part of our two-part story on the hidden world of the harem in the center of Suleiman the Magnificent's palace, sex and power entwined. If you missed the first half of this story, just check back in our feed to catch up. As you can probably guess, listener discretion is advised. Once more, the voice of this two-parter is Dr. Richard Miles of Cambridge University, who is joined by Tim Stanley from the Middle East section of the Victoria and Albert Museum, Dr. Julia Tezjan, and the Prince of the Ottoman Empire.
5: Horem had devoted 38 years of her life to ensuring that one of her own sons succeeded to the throne. But ironically, instead of providing the world with another Suleiman the Magnificent, she had blazed the trail for future generations of harem women whose power would eclipse even her own. Ever since Suleiman the Magnificent fell for a slave girl called Hurem, things had been changing in the harem.
2: European observers commented that it was like, or they thought it was like a nunnery, a monastery. But this is also um, a political crucible. The women
5: may have been enclosed, but were no longer powerless. In this world of threat and danger, they were beginning to play an active role. Harem had broken the mould of the anonymous, passive concubine by becoming Suleiman's confidant and wife. The women who followed would build on Harem's power, but their power would be more as mothers than as concubines. The murderous struggle for the succession had continued after Harem died in 1558. It was her son Selim who made it to the throne eight years later. His favorite, Nurbanu, meaning Princess of Light, would become the most powerful woman in the harem.
3: She is extremely well-loved and honored by His Majesty, both for her great beauty and for being unusually intelligent.
2: She was the illegitimate daughter of two Venetian noble families, captured by an Ottoman admiral.
5: Born Cecilia Venier Baffo, she was seized and brought to Istanbul in 1537, at the age of just 12. Nurbanu was
1: presented to Selim II when he was very young and still only a prince, and he fell madly
5: in love with her. When he went off to the provinces to learn to govern, Selim took Nurbanu with him. As a prince, he seems to have been faithful to her.
2: Nurbanu is not just one more concubine. Nurbanu is the privileged concubine of Selim's princely career. When he becomes sultan, she comes with him to Istanbul,
5: like all the concubines, Nubanu was a slave, but this was not slavery as in toiling in the plantations.
6: It was an honor and a wise career move to be a slave of the sultan. For women, it meant the chance of being in the imperial harem, which was a, a, a wonderful career for women because it was a finishing school as well as a harem. You, you learned skills, you were protected from the wear and tear of daily life, and there was a possibility of becoming the sultan's consort.
5: Nabanu Sultan Selim was not the greatest catch. He hadn't aged too well.
7: Selim II was a grave disappointment. He came after Suleiman the Magnificent, the greatest Ottoman Sultan ever, uh, and Selim was called Selim the Sot.
5: Selim was like his father in one respect. He loved just one concubine and perhaps even married her. But in all their years together, they'd had only one son, Murad, though they did have four daughters.
8: The first duty of an Ottoman sultan, or I suppose any monarch at all, is to produce healthy heirs. So Selim had to get on with it pretty sharpish and produce more sons, which he did towards the end of his reign. With all the princes
5: battling to be sultan, these new sons by other mothers would be a threat to Nabanu's son when Selim died, which he soon did.
8: According to the stories, he came to rather an ignominious end. One can guess probably because he'd been hitting the bottle. But the story goes that uh, in the bathhouse, he stubbed his toe and slipped over. And of course, Turkish baths are all stone inside. And he hit his head on the stone and died instantly.
2: The death of a sultan was often a crisis because there's that period between the death of the sultan and the arrival of the new sultan on the throne. If the new sultan was not in Istanbul, that period could stretch into three, four weeks. So there's a possibility of rebellion, of a prince trying to take over the throne, of all kinds of things happening. So often they would hide the fact that the sultan had died. Nabanu
5: took control.
2: Nabanu
9: hid Selim's body in the ice rooms in the palace cellars until her son Murad returned from the provinces to take his place. She only announced his death after her son arrived.
2: This... Action by Nurbanu um, is a remarkable one, but it's also part of the role of people at the heart of power. And from the end of the 16th century on, it was so often women who were there at the very heart. So when Murad arrives from the provinces, he's obviously going to become sultan, but then we have the problem of fratricide. He's got five brothers living in the palace.
5: Murad spent some time alone with his mother. It is said she reminded him of his duty to kill his brothers.
8: We have the account of a Jewish physician. He said that Murad spent a lot of time very unhappy thinking about it, but in the end, custom, and perhaps indeed the uh, pressure of his mother, and certainly Ottoman politics, said he had no choice. I think particularly for the mothers in the harem, there was a terrifying sense of paranoia,
7: a state of constant anxiety.
2: I sometimes try to imagine myself into the place of, of one of those women. I'm sure they raised these children knowing full well that their son might be executed.
10: The Ottomans took care of letting one son uh, be successful and making him without any contenders for the throne. If one or two of his brothers survived, then there is civil war. One or two boys versus thousands of being killed in civil war is what we are talking about.
5: Murad made up his mind.
2: It was a night of terror in the harem. The very first political act he takes is to have his brothers executed so that only one line would remain.
8: The first sight that the population of the capital saw of Murad's reign was the coffins of the little princes emerging from the doors of the palace. Although there was nothing new about sultans killing their brothers, this was the first time it had happened under the nose of the people of Istanbul.
5: One of the mothers then killed herself. She'd failed in her prime function as the mother of a prince to keep her son alive. 1574, and Nabanu was triumphant as mother of the new sultan, she would now rule the roost in the harem
2: the role of queen mother was in a sense an invention of nurbanus for Nurbanu. she's the first woman who acquired the title of valide sultan queen mother empress dowager
3: the sultan bases his policies principally on the advice of his mother it appearing to him that he could have no other advice as loving and loyal as hers
6: corresponded as the mother of the sultan with Catherine de' Medici, queen mother of France, and uh, the Venetian ambassador wrote, all good and all ill come through the queen mother. She was absolutely top dog in the hurry,
7: but she was still watching out for uh, her son's career because she rose and fell with him.
5: There was one threat to her position. Her son had a favorite, Sophia. It's a problem between the bride and the mother-in-law.
1: Murad III loves his favorite, Safiya Sultan, very much. Nobanu's jealousy and cruelty towards Safiya is something recorded in our history.
5: Like so many of the sultans, Murad was going against Ottoman tradition by singling out one woman.
2: When he became sultan, his job was then to produce a lot of sons, kind of as insurance in case Safiya's own son should, should become ill and, and die, and he didn't. He stuck with Safiya, and this really troubled people.
9: Nabano tried everything to make her son meet other women and go to bed with them. She found many beautiful concubines who dance well and organized nights with dancing.
2: The gift of two concubines by his sister is, is the trick that uh, that turns the situation around. And off he goes. So reluctant in the beginning, he had no problem.
9: After this, Murad almost pushed Safiya aside and began going with other women.
5: Against all tradition, Murad even started to sleep among the women inside the harem. Nurbanu had him where she wanted him, in bed, making more princes.
6: This symbolises that the sultans are more restricted to the palace and in particular the harem. The tradition of the campaigning sultan campaigning every summer is dying away.
4: Nurbanu was the one who encouraged Murad III to take up his residence in the harem, which meant that she had more power over him than previously been the case for any woman in Ottoman history. And uh, you can see her as a pivotal figure in increasing the role of the harem and of its head, the Valide de Sultan, in the running of the state.
7: It's about power returning from the periphery of the empire as it grows, returning towards the center. And now you go down to the center, it's the palace. And you go to the center of the palace, it's the harem. And who's in the harem? It's the women.
5: In Murad's reign, the empire reached its peak stretching from Iran in the east to Budapest in the west. Murad and his mother had the harem extended, and more and more women were brought in from all over the empire. Numbers rose from about 130 on Selim II's death to 600 on Murad III's. Historians then and since muttered darkly about decadence
8: and decline. During Murad III's reign, the Size of the harem increased greatly, but I can't see any reason why having a larger harem should cause an empire to decline.
5: Some Ottoman observers disapproved of the development of what would be called the Sultanate of Women.
6: The harem was close to power. Indeed, there was a window looking onto the council chamber in the imperial palace where the sultan would overhear the proceedings in the council, and it's from within the harem. some inmates of the harem would have been very well informed. And of course, proximity to power leads to discussions about power and wanting to influence decisions, which to outsiders would seem like intrigue.
2: Only men can become sultans, but women are political actors. So in a sense, I mean, the top woman in the female hierarchy in the palace is not only a political role, but it's a top political role. The palace is the seat of political life action, jockeying, information, worries, policies, and the harem was a part of that. So at the same time that we've got these rules um, and this strong hierarchy, we've also got a lot of conflict, worry, looking for allies,
5: teaming up. Nabanu's harem was like a department of state within the Sultan's palace. The harem was run very much like a large corporation all the department heads would have novices to train. And uh, the departments uh, were things like the mistress of sherbets and mistress of dressmaking, mistress of jewels, mistress of the coffee,
2: mistress of the laundry, and the general housekeeping. In the time that Nurbanu was queen mother, we really can talk about a kind of affirming up of the hierarchy of women in in the harem. At the very bottom, we've got your basic servants, people who boil the water for the laundry, put the coal in the furnace, this kind of service. Then I think we need to think of it as bifurcating into a reproductive, a kind of a concubine track, and an administrative track. There's a management team in this harem. Chief officer of the harem is a woman called the harem stewardess. and She's got her own staff. She carries the keys. She's in charge of all the various service divisions within the harem.
5: The other important harem officials were the black eunuchs, guardians of the sacred space, theoretically akin to angels who, unlike men, could pass between heaven and earth.
8: They were the only people who had access to both parts of the palace. They could go both into the harem and into the male section of the palace and that meant that, for example, a black eunuch could talk to the Queen Mother about affairs of state. The Queen Mother herself couldn't then come out into the male quarters and discuss the thing, but the black eunuch could. One English observer in fact commented that it's the black eunuchs who run the empire. Well, I don't think that that is strictly true, but clearly they were very important people, and because they were also the controllers of the Sultan's charitable trust, they could become extremely wealthy.
5: The palace midwives could become wealthy too. They didn't run the empire, but were central to the harem. Midwives of the palace
8: were very
11: popular and they came to be very rich and they owned big houses. They were given very precious presents after
5: they had delivered uh, babies. They also advised on health and contraception, for unlike Christians at the time, Muslims were allowed to use contraception.
12: The major method they talk about was what is referred to politely in the literature as coitus interruptus, which people would know as withdrawal. There was always the argument that if you practice contraception, and this was the argument used by Jewish and Christian thinkers, you're doing something against God or against nature because you're not allowing the sexual act to reach its conclusion. The Muslim attitude was, if God really wanted a child to be born, then that child will be born. It made it possible to argue that this is not against God's wishes, which was a very nice twist on this question of whether you're going against God or not.
5: Midwives in the harem would have prepared tampons and other barriers. These would have been coated with oils, herbs and honey. Most of the known methods were for women, but there were some for men too.
12: Wood was uh, seen as an extremely effective contraceptive when inserted into the vagina, and then uh, it was also seen as um, an effective contraceptive if it is smeared on the penis.
5: Wood tar obviously wasn't something Murad was using. He had a lot of children, he probably
1: wanted to have children from all the concubines he liked. It is said in historical records that more than a hundred cradles were being rocked in the harem at the same time. He was a very busy man. <laughs> Our
9: historians say Murad had 112 children. When he died, he had 27 daughters and 20 sons alive.
5: All the babies would be born within the harem. The tradition was to
11: let the pregnant woman sit on a chair and give birth to her child in a sitting position and a midwife would take it from under the chair
7: you knew that even as you were giving birth your son if it was a son might become the next sultan but there was a death there too there was likely to be death was someone was going to come and kill that child you had to watch out you had to watch out all through his life
5: Murad was overdoing it. One son was not enough, but this was too many. It would cause a crisis when he died. People think that with a harem, an Ottoman Sultan would have
10: large number of uh, children. In fact, they, most of them had a uh, very limited number of children. And they took great care not to have uh, too
5: many. Sophia, mother of Murad's first son, Concentrated on building up her own political position, she also competed with his mother in choosing new slaves for him. Nabanu must have been furious. This was her job.
3: For it is only she who has the interest of the loves of her son at her heart, and she can more easily assure herself of the girl's loyalty to both herself and the Sultan.
4: There was a sort of engine revving to supply him with suitable concubines, and the female hierarchy of the harem was very keen on keeping control of who the sultan slept with because that's how they kept control of the reproduction process. And that was their source of power because they were very powerful.
5: Within the palace, Nobanu's power was expressed in her living quarters. The queen mother had her own large apartments of
1: almost 20 rooms. Because she was a strong woman with high status, the large number of rooms reflected that status. The queen mothers were generally very rich too because the sultans respected them very much and gave them very valuable presents and lands.
5: Much of Nibanu's money went towards mosques and other vast charitable works, including military installations. This was a statement of power on an international scale.
2: That had up until really the time of Hurem been the prerogative of males in the dynasty. The women who succeed Hurem as political actors are noted for their buildings.
8: Anybody who saw the mosque that Nurbanu and her successors built would know of the importance of the Queen Mothers. This was uh, expressed in stone.
5: Nurbanu was still at the height of her powers when she died in 1583 at the age of 58. She was the first woman to be buried in the same tomb as her Sultan. She had a state funeral. Against all tradition, her son, God's shadow on earth participated.
2: We have a wonderful miniature of the emergence of her casket from the palace and Murad is walking in front of it. This was very unusual. A demonstration of his attachment and the importance given to her.
5: When her son died 12 years later, his successor immediately executed his 19 brothers.
8: The population of the capital saw 19 coffins coming out of the palace gate. And according to a contemporary chronicler, the angels in heaven wept when they saw it.
5: The public outcry seems to have been what put an end to the practice of sultans slaughtering their brothers. But in some ways, the solution would be worse for the princes and better for the women. From the beginning of the 17th century, things changed for the sons of sultans. This would make it easier for strong women to step forward to fill the power vacuum being created.
0: We're just about to learn about the cages within the harem, where successors to the throne were kept under surveillance.
5: In the past, princes had been sent off to the provinces to learn to govern, and then all but one had been killed when their father died. Now they were usually kept alive, but they were confined within the harem, in what was known as the kafes, or cage.
9: Kafes. In Turkish, means the cage in which birds and chickens are kept. It's also the place where lions and tigers are locked. Mothers of Ottoman princes called their sons Aslan, lion. So when a place in the harem was built for them to be locked up, they called it
7: kafes because princes, like lions, were locked in there. These were gilded, beautiful apartments in the harem where they could live for years, just waiting never knowing from one day to the next what was going to happen to them, never knowing whether their brother might be deposed and they might be pulled out and made sultan themselves, never knowing whether the mutes might come in with a bowstring and finish them off.
8: Uh, difficulty with the cage, of course, is that it meant that the princes were withdrawn from the day-to-day running of the empire. So on their succession as sultan, they really knew very little about politics, which may be one reason, of course, why their mothers were so important, because their mothers would know something.
5: The woman who used her political experience when the men most lacked it was Kassem.
9: Kassem, in our language, means the ram that leads the sheep. In the Ottoman palace, her reign lasted about 30 years. She was like a female sultan.
5: Kassem, possibly the daughter of a Greek priest, was the favorite of Sultan Ahmed I. She was unusual in having several sons.
2: Once again, a sultan is adopting one woman, one concubine, in this very special way of allowing her to continue to reproduce beyond just her first son.
5: Kersem's route to power was paved with weak sultans. She came to the fore when they were mad or underage. Her son, Murad IV, was only twelve when he took the throne.
3: All power and authority is with the mother, in the prime of life and of lofty mind and spirit.
2: Kersem as Queen Mother really is what we would call a regent. She wrote the most marvellous, candid letters to the Grand Viziers. She says, I must be driving you nuts with all my questions. But on the other hand, you drive me nuts too, she says. You really give me a headache,
1: but I give you an awful headache too. How many times have I asked myself, I wonder if he's getting
2: sick of me. But what else can we do? You get a real sense of a political natural. A person who's engaged as a person and as a ruler. The Grand
5: Vizier turned to Kasem when there were problems finding food for the army.
2: You say
1: attention must be paid to provisions for the campaign. If it were up to me, it would have been taken care of long ago. There is no shortcoming on either my part or my son's.
5: Qasem really came into her own when her son Murad IV, a strong sultan, died in 1640. He left no heir and had killed all his brothers bar one, her other son, Ibrahim. Qasem had persuaded Murad not to kill Ibrahim on the grounds that he was mad.
7: Murad dies and people come to the door and they say, Murad's dead, your sultan. And he doesn't believe them. He thinks is another trick of Murad's.
2: He fears that he's going to be executed just like his other brothers who were executed by Murad. So he has to be persuaded that in fact, this is not the case. And Kirsem, uh his mother was clearly instrumental in that.
7: They have to bring the body of Murad and fling it down where he can see it before he agrees to come out and be made into sultan. And when he comes out, he proves to be a nutcase
2: nobody expected that ibrahim would become the sultan he was an emotionally disturbed uh really handicapped individual but he was the last ottoman male alive
8: any dynasty which lasts for as long as the ottoman empire is sooner or later going to get a nutter on the throne the ottomans over there the whole history did very well there were very few but the ones which happened happened in the mid-17th century and they came together
2: it was the job of a queen mother to do anything she could to smooth over these political ruptures one of the main job requirements is that when there is a dynastic crisis you fix it you smooth it over
5: and kasem did a pretty good job
7: kasem represented at least continuity she'd been in power really for longer than anyone else. And she was very careful to keep it that way. People came in and out of office. No one was really building up the
8: sort of contacts and the um, expertise that she was. There was nobody strong at the center of the empire. And it seems that that is why the Queen Mothers became powerful, because there had to be somebody to keep the show on the road. Given the crisis that the empire was going through during her lifetime, I think we can say it was probably thanks to Kirsem, that the Empire actually survived.
5: The Ottomans had lost some of Murad III's conquests in Iran and the Caucasus, were facing rebellion in Anatolia and Istanbul, and losing battles at sea. The last thing they needed was trouble at the top, but Ibrahim was not just mad, he was impotent. He could not be cured for a while, and
10: they were, of course, uh, terrified that he was going to die childless that would have meant
2: the whole country going to a civil war. We have ambassadors writing home saying get ready. I mean this empire might simply dissolve. What's going to happen if the Ottoman Empire goes down the tubes? It's a real moment of crisis.
5: Luckily the Ottomans had ways of dealing with the problem.
2: There are special books written on
11: sexual matters and these are called bahname. Uh, meaning book of love or book of lust. Some of these prescriptions were kept a secret and some of them were specially prescribed for the Sultan or the Sultan's family. Here is a very interesting uh, prescription which was said to give such a potency that a man who used it could satisfy 10 women without himself losing anything from his lust. You have to hunt for 100 large red ants and pour sesame oil on it. Leave it exposed in the sun rays for 20 days. At the end of the 20th day, pound them in a mortal till they become a uniform mass. It will be applied on the fingers, toes and armpits. The potency during the sexual intercourse is enhanced to an incredible degree it will give much more pleasure.
5: It seems to have worked for Ibrahim.
2: Eventually, Kersem taking a lead in this, Ibrahim was induced to take a concubine. And with the birth of his first son, a huge collective sigh of relief. He then goes on to become excessively, uh, how should we say, excessively interested in sex.
7: He had apparently, you know, all his women were, he, he rode around on them. They were naked, Uh, he ran around them like a stallions or neighing, kind of kinky guy.
1: They say he was especially interested in fat women, and once he insisted, bring me the fattest woman in Istanbul, and they found her and brought her. He spent time with her for days, and all the time she told him fairy tales. Once she told him the sable story, and the sultan wanted to hear it every day. It was about a sultan who really loved sable furs, soft, soft, and he caressed it and decorated everywhere with fur. The chairs were fur, the curtains were fur. In order to make the story real,
2: he wanted everything to be covered with fur. We read about a fur tax that he imposed on the empire because he wanted to line uh, rooms in the palace with fur and mirrors. And we read about real abuse at Ibrahim's hands in which he makes his sisters come and wait on one of his concubines. I mean, this is a complete perversion of the hierarchy of dignity and service and seniority. Those must have been very difficult years for Qasem, but obviously it did not isolate her from being a political player, because she still has the connections to help engineer his removal from the throne.
6: By the end of his reign in 1648, uh, the empire was clearly weakening, the Venetian navy was at the entrance to the Dardanelles, there was starvation in the capital, and the viziers decided that he had to be deposed, and finally his mother, Kersem, agreed to this. Kersem
5: wrote to the Grand Vizier. In the end, he will
1: leave neither you nor me alive. We will lose control of the government. The whole
5: society is in ruins. Have him removed from the throne immediately. For the sake of the empire and her own political career, she was prepared to sacrifice her own son. She had a grandson on hand to take his place.
6: She produced his son Mehmed to the council with the words, here he is, see what you can do with him. Clearly she didn't overestimate the vizier's abilities.
5: With his seven-year-old son on the throne, Ibrahim is in prison again.
6: The person who rules the palace
9: is Qasem Sultan, so she must agree to her son being imprisoned and her grandson being on the throne.
5: But Qasem could not let this continue. Ibrahim's supporters might have tried to reinstate him.
9: A fatwa was issued, saying there cannot be two sultans in one country. Officials went to the cage with an executioner and had Ibrahim strangled.
5: With Ibrahim out of the way, Kasem had a new problem. The boy sultan's mother wanted her share of the action. Once again, an older woman had a young rival jostling her for power. During the reigns of her two sons, Kasem had been queen mother. Now with her grandson on the throne, she wanted to continue in power as queen grandmother. But her grandson had a mother, a young woman called Turhan. Now Turhan, with a faction around her, wanted to have the position of queen mother herself.
2: We have a whole new rivalry of two queen mothers. First time in the Ottoman Empire that you've got two women at the heart of power, two women who in a sense are acting as regents.
3: The two queens were exasperated highly against each other. One to maintain the authority of her son and the other her own.
2: The traditional thing, although we have to remember that tradition is new, it's a bit ad hoc, but it would have been for Kassem to step aside. Step aside meant leaving, with your retinue, the Topkapa Palace, to move to another imperial palace into retirement.
5: The Palace of Tears, it was called, where the former sultan's women would be sent to while away the rest of their days when the new sultan took over.
2: One reason Kersenne may have been reluctant to remove herself from the center of politics is that the new sultan's mother is really quite young. She may simply have felt that it wasn't the wise thing to do. But we have to remember also that she probably simply did not want to give up this intensely exciting political life that she had enjoyed for so many years.
5: So Qasem stuck around, and a deadly tug of love began with both women trying to influence the young sultan.
2: These regent queen mothers, Kersem and then Turhan as political actors needed to communicate. And the whole question is, how could they do it? Because they were in the harem. The Chronicles tell us that they spoke behind screens do we envision a kind of a lattice screen? They were obviously there quite close, simply not visible. Sometimes they spoke directly. Sometimes we hear that they whispered answers through the screen. We even hear about an incident in which young Mehmet turns to the screen and says, what answer do I give? And the answer is then conveyed to him.
5: Kasem defended her influence on her grandson.
1: You said this to the Sultan. My dear, who taught you to say these things? Such patronizing behavior towards sultans is impermissible. And what if the sultan is instructed?
5: The official she was berating drowned, it is said, in the sea of mortification. But Turhan was not so easily defeated. On the night of September the 2nd, 1651, things came to a head. Qasem
9: sultan wants to take her grandson from the throne and put another prince there, whose mother is more malleable that prince is also six or eight years
10: old the young mother thought that in order to save her son she should really eliminate because so that night she told her own people to find her and strangle her
8: but that was the only way you could get rid of kiss she wasn't going to retire voluntarily
2: this is reminiscent of a couple of centuries earlier when the tension and the rivalry is among princes and brothers Now this kind of rivalry has displaced itself into the palace itself and is among powerful women.
5: It is said that when a eunuch spoke up for Kasem, they split his head with an ax. His blood and brains were dashed on the rich carpets, right in front of the boy sultan. He then signed his grandmother's death warrant, saying she should be strangled, but neither cut with sword nor bruised with blows.
6: Some of the slaves hunted for Kersem. She hid in a cupboard and it's said that her presence was betrayed by a hem of her dress sticking out from behind the door. Seeing
3: two great jewels at her ears they immediately tore them thence. They were two diamonds of the bigness of chestnuts and beneath each diamond was a ruby. Those earrings were given her by Sultan Ahmed and esteemed by the most skillful jewelers worth a year's revenue of Grand Cairo.
10: She's a controversial person. She was a great manipulator and uh, she meddled in uh, politics, she was a dragon. She did everything in her power for political power and she acquired great wealth.
2: She was never satisfied. Kersem has a mixed press. As with her predecessors, Safie, Safiye, uh, Kersem was highly praised by many people simply for her role as an important uh, figure in the dynasty. I think by the time of Kasem we can say that, that she was revered as queen mother.
5: Kasem's young rival, Turhan, continued as regent for five years, but then her son and his advisors took command. As the centuries have passed, the women have continued to be criticized for meddling in politics and bringing down the empire. Recently, their role has been reconsidered.
8: Traditionally, historians have liked to say that this was the beginning of the decline of the Ottoman Empire. We do have to remember that the Ottoman Empire lasted until, well, 1918, and the last vestige disappeared in in 1923. So we must be careful about talking about decline, and I don't think women had anything to do with it.
4: The women of the harem had to step in to protect their sultan and to guide him in the running of the empire. Now they were doing that at a period when there were lots of problems. And what's happened is that those women who were doing the best for the empire as they saw it, are getting blamed for the problems, which are the things they were actually having to face up to and to solve. While it's okay for men to be ruthless, that's not seen as a very good thing for a woman.
2: When people look back on this period, this period really of a hundred years from Hurem through Turhan, they look with a, a kind of a mixed attitude. It was a real change in the way the dynasty was managed. At the end of the Sultanate of Women, we don't see women with that degree of public political power. Had it continued, I think, it would have become a very natural phenomenon.
7: It's hard to say whether the Sultanate of Women was a good thing or a bad thing. They did what they could. They struggled to survive. They did what they had to. And uh, some amazing women emerged. But many, many, many didn't and were submerged and history doesn't talk about them.
5: The imperial harem was to continue for another two and a half centuries. Hundreds of women would disappear into it, but none was to come forward to play such a commanding role as Harem, Nobanu, or Kosem.
0: Thanks for listening to Timeline Tapes. That's it for our two-parter on The Harem. Tune in next week for a new episode of our podcast. In the meantime, if you can't wait to learn more, just head to our YouTube channel, where we have hundreds of documentaries you can watch. If you want to reach out to Timeline Tapes, you can email us at timeline at little.studios.com, and you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Those are both at TimelineWH. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe, give us a 5-star rating, and write a review, too. I've been Nate Fisher. This has been Timeline Tapes. Let's go down in history together.